1: Let me start off by sharing something. Seven years ago, Pastor Amrita, my wife, she uh, said, I'm going on a girls' trip, a girls' reunion, if you will, uh, four hours away from where we're living in Michigan. We were living in Michigan at the time, seven years ago. And she says, I need to drive to Ohio, and we're having a reunion party with all my close girlfriends from back in college, and uh, I don't want to drive there alone. So, Pradeepin, honeyboo, sweet cheeks, you know how she talks. She said, will you drive with me in the car for four hours? Because I don't want to be alone. I don't want to just talk to you on the phone. I want your presence in the car with me. Will you drive with me for four hours and then just wait while I have the time of my life over an amazing meal with my friends? Will you do that? I was like, No. No, what, what, what is the point of that? But then she looked at me with those big brown eyes of her. And you know how she talks. She said, hubby wubby, bugaboo, would you come? And I said, you know what? Today I will be a good husband. And I decided to drive with her four hours for our party. I was not invited to. Thank you. You're too kind. And so uh, we get to that party, and I'm there because she wanted my presence. But I wasn't allowed in, so I'm in the middle of Ohio. So I did what many of us would do. I looked up on Yelp and Google, what to do around here. And I ended up at what some would consider the largest amusement park in the world. I went to Cedar Point in Ohio. Uh, Anybody been there? Cedar Point. It was amazing. If you want to see a picture of my great experience going there alone in my 30s, This is me, alone at Cedar Point. Hashtag 30 years old, my phone died, I'm there alone. I'm trying not to creep out the children. (laughs) But I had a great time all by myself. Thank you, Pastor Amrita, for that experience. She wanted me along for the ride uh, because she wanted my presence with her in the car. She knew it was a phone call away, but there's something different about me sitting right with her on the passenger side. And I, I believe, like Amrita, there's a leader in the Bible named Moses who helped deliver the Jewish people from slavery in Egypt and inherit what was called the promised land, a land that God promised them to be their own, where they could develop, have a bright future. But there's a moment where he doesn't want to go to the promised land alone, and he invites God to be part of the journey. I want to read about it in Exodus 33, starting in verse 1. The scripture says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land, I promise an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, and Cellulites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you. So Moses has given this incredible opportunity. Go to the promised land. You will have victory, you'll have success, but the presence of God will not be with you. You will have so much street cred with the people who have been longing for the promised land. And we know the story in Exodus. We know that Moses was never able to actually make it into the promised land, but here he's given the opportunity to go to the promised land with the condition that the presence of God will not go with him. I mean, what would you do if you could have the chance to be the hero of your nation, but not have the presence of God with you? What would you do if you had the chance to operate in supernatural, angelic ministry, but the presence of God would not be with you? But we know in this story that Moses, he, he does something that's a little unexpected, and he counter, counters God's offer, and he says, you know what, like Pastor Amritha, In a car ride, I don't want to move forward if I don't have the presence of my loved one with me. He goes on to see in verse 15, it says, then Moses said to him, this is his response to God, to have success without the presence, to have movement and progress without the presence of God. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Wow. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. See, Moses could have had what looked like success, but he said, you know what? None of that matters if I don't have the presence of God with me. What decision would you make? And it's pretty easy to evaluate how we would respond when it comes to your career. Have you chosen to move forward in your career, but you've left God over here? Have you chosen to move forward in your family, your dating, your engagement, your relationships, but the presence of God is just somewhere over there? Have you chosen to move forward in this hobby or this activity, but you're not really including God's spirit with you. You've compartmentalized your life. God, you can have this part of my life, but I don't want to enjoy all of it with you. But Moses said, I don't even want ministry success without the presence of God. And I believe that there is a spiritual hunger here at Kalos Church. It's why we're here on a Sunday morning on Super Bowl Sunday. It's because we've realized we need the presence of God. Can I get a good amen? We're hungry for a move of the Spirit. And I I believe that we don't just want a God that's a phone call away in what we theologically call the omnipresent reality of God, which means God is everywhere all at the same time. But we want a closeness to the Spirit of God. We want a nearness, something that could be known as the, the manifest presence of God. We're spiritually hungry for an encounter with Him. We want to know He's with us and not just compartmentalize as part of this part of our life, but not this part. A definition of the omnipresence versus the manifest present is written like this in this quote that I like. The omnipresence of God explains how God, how He is everywhere all at once, while the manifest presence of God is His presence made clear. The omnipresence of God can exist without our awareness, but the manifest presence cannot. For the point of the manifest presence of the Lord is that our awareness of him is awakened to reality as defined by him. Because the reality is God is everywhere, but James 4.8 also says, God draws near to those who draw near to him. So he's everywhere, but we can still experience a nearness and a closeness of his presence. And to be honest, I'm hungry for an encounter with God. I'm hungry for an encounter with the presence of the Lord. And I I am preaching this message to shape the culture of Kalos Church, especially as we move forward into the building. Because from the depths of our heart, our leadership team is like, we don't want to move forward if God's presence isn't with us. Because the building is not our salvation. The building is not our hope. The building is not what's going to bless this community. It's the presence of God. Can I get a good amen? And we're desperate for his manifest presence. And to shape the culture of the people in this room, not for sound bites, not for Instagram reels, but to shape the culture of who we are right now, I wanna share some encouragements. And the first thing I wanna share is this prayer is the priority. For the people of God, prayer isn't a last resort, it's a first. Response, you know, the other day I was sitting on my couch, honestly, entertaining thoughts of worry and anxiety and fear, and I was spiraling a little bit. I share about this a lot because it's heavy on my heart and my mind daily, hourly. But I was worried about the ramifications and the realities of uh, raising a son with special needs. Now, Obi, I love him so much, but it, it takes a, a special skill set to navigate all that has to do with the special needs child, the decisions. and uh, Actually, it's his birthday today. He turned seven years old, and I'm so proud of him. But it takes a a lot of decision-making and finances, and I was worried about some of these therapies therapies. Is insurance going to cover this? Or the doctor's giving me these five options. Should we choose this route? And I was like, what if it doesn't work? Because sometimes we've tried these medications and they've backfired and it's been hard for him. What are we going to do? I'm spiraling and I'm thinking about strategies and I'm trying to think about how, how I can do this in my own strength and all of this. And as I'm on the couch... My son, who I'm praying about, not even praying about, I'm worried about, just thinking about, uh, he approaches me and he doesn't really speak in full sentences. For the most part, he's nonverbal. He has a few words here and there. But he approaches me on the couch and he says, Dada, pray. (laughs) Just beautiful. Dada, pray. And it shocked me and it stirred me. And I was like, first of all, don't you dare tell me what to do. Second of all, you're right, I need to pray. What am I doing? I need to pray. I need to invite the presence of God to do what only God can do, what a therapy can't do, what a medication can't do, what a counselor can't do. I really need the presence of God to do what only he can do. And that's why we really wanna cultivate a culture where prayer is the priority. You know, sometimes in our lives, we get so easily distracted And we feel like, ah, I need to do something that's more important than prayer. I don't have time to pray because it doesn't really make a difference. But I want to let you know, for the people of God, prayer is our priority. If you can do anything well, make it prayer being connected to God, the source of life. When you're going through disaster, a danger, you can go to the one who saw life that was dark and formless and with a void, and he said, let there be life and light. He spoke it into existence, and it was there. In the depths of your problems, your insecurities, your issues, God is here, and he's willing to help. You know, I was reading in Acts 6 about the growth of the early church. And it's amazing that these early church leaders, the disciples, the apostles, they had to deal with distraction like all of us do when we're trying to pray, when you're trying to work. They had to deal with the reality of a church growing and trying to figure out the, the needs of the people and the ramifications and the logistics of how do I form a culture that celebrates Jesus and move forward as the church. I want to read from Acts 6, one of these examples where they had to make a decision. What's the priority of our life? In verse 1 it says, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, so the church is growing, the Hellenistic Jews, these were uh, Greeks who had converted to Judaism. Among them, complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. And so the church is growing and we see one of the earliest instances of racism being called out in the church. There are people who are Greek, And then there are Jewish widows who were uh, given daily distribution of food. Why were they given this? Because many people I'm assuming were working, for example, like in the temple, the Jewish temple. But then when they confessed Jesus is Messiah, I bet a lot of them lost their jobs and other cases like that. The church was incredible increasingly experiencing persecution uh, for a number of reasons and people just getting older in age or people experiencing death. It would leave widows pretty much the economic uh, dire straits of that culture. And so the church would set up these food distribution systems and they said, hey, leaders, disciples, the church is growing, but I feel like there's preferential treatment here. These Greeks aren't getting food like these Jewish people. Can you do something about it? And uh, they, they say something that's really interesting. To be honest, it wouldn't be my response if someone said, we're hungry and we think it's because this people group is getting preferential treatment. It says, they responded like this, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables, Instead, we're going to give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. And I I think this is important for us because there are legitimate and practical needs all around us. But sometimes we need to prioritize that, hey, I know I could do these legitimate good things. I could focus on these urgent matters, but prayer is my priority. Prayer is what I need to focus on. Before I do anything else, I'm gonna make sure that I'm including the presence of God because he's the source of all life. He's a source of direction. He's a source of guidance. And it, it's awkward to do that sometime in our life when we're distracted. Anybody find themselves trying to pray, but distractions come here, your boss is calling you, or your, you know, your, your partner is like saying, hey, you need to take care of this. It's like you can have all the free time in the world, but as soon as you decide I'm going to pray, it's like all the opportunities arise to distract you from that. And sometimes it's awkward. And so these disciples are like, we are going to give our attention to pray, but then they're given an opportunity. All right, should I focus on the widows? Should I focus on this division in the church? But they made a choice, probably an awkward choice. We're going to focus on prayer. And even as a pastor, sometimes I feel guilty for praying too much because I know that there are real leadership issues that need to be solved, you know, even even this week, Pastor Amit and I just got back from a, a trip, a vacation, and we came to second service last Sunday, but we weren't preaching or anything. And then I had to try to get back into the rhythm of preaching, but I was still on vacation mode, you know what I'm talking about? And so I'm trying to write the sermon, but then, there's all these questions about our building project from our contractors, from the city of Bellevue, from the architect, from aesthetic decisions as we're organized. And I found myself like neglecting writing this sermon about prioritizing prayer to not pray and to not work on the sermon. I'm like, how ironic can I be? If you ever write a sermon, pro tip, whatever you're preaching on, you tend to be tested on. And so that's why for the next Couple of months, we're gonna be preaching on what to do with too much money. (laughs) Uh. We'll see what happens. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) And so I'm, I'm literally writing a message on the priority of prayer, and I'm being distracted with legitimate good things that need to get done. And it's so difficult. And you know, some sometimes we think that the church should just exist almost as like a money laundering program. I give money to the church so that we can give money to other programs. But I believe like investing in a house of prayer, even if it just existed for prayer, would be a worthy investment. To, to invest in something to create sacred places and sacred communities where people are hosting and stewarding and enjoying the presence of God. I think that's a worthwhile priority. I believe, and I've said this so many times, it's one of my favorite quotes, that prayer isn't just preparation for some greater work. Prayer is the greater work. It's the priority of our lives. I don't want to move forward without the presence of God. And one of my great fears as we move in this building and just ministry in the American church in general is that we would get so slick with our strategies and our programming that we would leave the presence of God behind. You know, I would hate it. It would grieve my soul if someone who is depressed or lost or confused walked into a Kalos Church service for the first time and they experienced a program, but not the presence of God. Because a program is good. Don't get me wrong. Planning is good, but our plans are always plan B and plan A is always following the leading of the Holy Spirit. I don't, put my hope in a program, but in the presence of Jesus Christ, who is still in the business of saving and redeeming souls. And more than ever, we need God. We need his presence to do what only his presence can do. Can I get a better amen? And I believe we live in an environment, whether we realize it or not, where we are spiritually hungry. I think we're all spiritually hungry. I think we all sense deep down in our souls that the only one who can satisfy the human soul is the one who created it. And so we need the presence of God. There's a quote by Andrew Murray that says, the enemy uses all his power to lead the Christian and above all the minister to neglect prayer. He knows that however admirable the sermon may be, however attractive the service, however faithful the pastoral visitation, none of these things can damage him or his kingdom if prayer is neglected. When the church shuts herself up to the power of the inner chamber and the soldiers of the Lord have received on their knees power from on high, then the powers of darkness will be shaken and souls will be delivered. In the church, on the mission field, with the minister and his congregation, everything depends on the faithful exercise of the power of prayer. Can I get a good amen? That is powerful. And so we prioritize prayer, and I want that to be part of our culture. But prayer is not the only thing we do. And that's why I introduce point number two. Prayer is our first step, but not our only step. Prayer is not divorced from practice. Prayer is not divorced from action. Faith without works is dead that we see in the scriptures. You know, there there are many times where, We've had to change diapers in our house. And I'm not like, hey, Pastor Amitha, what are we gonna do about these diapers? And she said, you know what we need to do? Let's go pray. To my current experience, prayer has never changed a diaper. Has anybody ever experienced that? And so prayer needs to be connected with practice. We need to apply these things. If you want the Lord to guide you, Get ready to move your feet, amen? And so this is a part of a reality because I've realized that prayer most often forms us more than it forms God. It moves us to action, it moves us to justice, it moves us to practical application of what the Lord is asking us to do. And to be honest, when we're talking about prayer, a little bit of my skepticism is awakened because Pastor Maritha, for years, we were part of a church back in the day It no longer exists, and I'm going to tell you why it no longer exists. Is because they prayed themselves into oblivion, which seems like I'm contradicting everything I just preached about. There was a time where they had functioning services. The church was growing. We were a part of it. But then they decided to cancel all the kids' services, all the youth services, all the fellowship, all of the ministry as outreaches to the community, all of the organizations so that we could just pray. And so for months, all we did was pray. And during that time, we, we saw people hungry for fellowship and proper instruction from the scriptures and how do I deal with my marriage that's falling apart. And the church just started to really fall fall by the wayside. And that church no longer exists. It, it actually lost people. We would sneak away to other churches just so we could hear preaching and like, and if, Questions answered because everybody was only praying. And it was a difficult season because that that church, while we prayed a lot, we never led anybody to Christ. While we prayed a lot, we never really offered good counseling or helping people where they were at. And I I think sometimes we uh, try to delegate to God in prayer what we should be doing ourselves. And that is not the point of prayer. It's being in the presence of God. And so I believe that prayer isn't divorced from practical. And we see this in this passage in Acts 6 with the early church. In verse 3, what do they do? It says, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom, we will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word. So even though they were dedicated to praying and studying the word, they didn't ignore their responsibilities. And I, I think this is the disciples leveling up because remember, these are the same people that when they were walking with Jesus and the crowds were gathered and uh, they were like, who's gonna feed all these people? And the disciples are like, send them away. At least now they're not just sending away the people. <laughs> they're saying, hey, we're gonna take care of these people, but we're gonna hand over the responsibility to people. And so in verse five, it says, this proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Philip, Curus, Nicanor, Timon, Pumbaa, Nicholas. I mean, just amazing people. Nicholas from Antioch, a convert from Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests, which is crazy. Jewish priests uh, are becoming obedient to the faith. Just a wild, wild story. And so... They're dealing with these accusations of racism. They say that there's a problem with food distribution, and we're not going to neglect our time of prayer and ministry. We need to make this our priority, but we're also going to take care of these responsibilities. And I believe that through the power of the Spirit, they got wisdom to deal with this in a unique way. As you've read these names like Procurus, Nicanor, you may have realized like these are not Jewish-sounding names. And I, th- I think you're right. They're actually Greek sounding names because these are most likely Greek leaders. In fact, this is Nicholas from Antioch. How, is they, how did they describe him? A convert to Judaism. So he wasn't born Jewish. He's most likely a Greek Gentile that converted to the Jewish faith and then became a Christian. And they appointed this Greek leader to take care of the Greek widows. Because they probably thought, all right, to make sure that there's no more accusations of preferential treatment in these accusations of racism and division in the church, let's have some divine strategy and appoint and empower Greek people to take care of this matter. And I think I think that's awesome. And people who are full of faith and full of the Spirit, and then they prayed over them to do the work of the ministry. See, I don't I don't believe that our prayer should be separated from practice. And a lot of the the movements I think we're seeing for justice and transformation, or even on a political level, we've divorced these things from being people of prayer. It's like my politics, my activism, my justice projects, they're not prayer movements anymore. You know, it's Black History Month, and one of my heroes in the faith, honestly, even beyond February, is Dr. Martin Luther King, who's a pastor who was able to speak to societal issues. But what most people don't realize is he was a man of prayer and and attributed a lot of the ground and the traction and the progress that they made to these moments of prayer. As you looked at a lot of these sit-ins, there are a lot of also pray-ins and people praying and gathering in the church and he would call the congregation to pray. But then he also criticized those who only prayed. And he says, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. We can't just like hide in our churches and pray away these issues that are plaguing our society. We need to get our feet moving and we need to do something about racism and injustices that we're facing in our nation. You know, I I love this quote, describing Dr. King being a man of prayer, but also a man of movement. It says, King never advocated for prayed away solutions to personal or social problems. He's deeply realistic about the intransigence of evil and how it yields only in the face of determined action and persistent challenge. He knew that prayer alone is insufficient for social change and is too often used as an excuse by Christians to avoid facing difficult social issues. Yet he insisted that prayer is an essential dimension of social engagement. I mean, that is a sentence right there. Prayer is an essential dimension of social engagement and never a secondary force in the quest of justice. King scholar Louis Baldwin maintains that King believed that the struggle against the triple evils of racism, poverty, and war required the combination of prayer, intelligence, and sustained activism. King's own prayer life is a witness against opposing spiritual maturity and action on behalf of justice. And so I believe if we really long for justice in civil movements, if we want lasting fruit, we need to spend time in the presence of God. Because when you pray and spend time in God's presence, you start to get a heart for what God has a heart for. But when you're sitting at the feet of Jesus, you're becoming like Jesus. You're starting to think like Jesus. You'll realize something. If you want to sit at the feet of Jesus, you have to go where his feet are going. And his feet are moving amongst the oppressed, the marginalized, the impoverished. If you want to sit at the feet of Jesus, you have to be where his feet are. And he is amongst the least of these. And that's why prayer moves us to justice. And if we want lasting fruit, we cannot divorce the church from justice or prayer. Can I get a good amen? This is part of who we are as the people of God. And I want to get ready for us to just practically pray. And as we're we're praying as a church, we're doing this, and I know we're not going hours in our altar ministry, but here's one of our hopes as we facilitate a time of prayer. We're about to get ready to join in circles and have some altar ministry up here. But one of the reasons we've been facilitating that in this service is because so many of us feel embarrassed about our prayer lives at home. We don't know how to pray. We're facing distractions or insecurities, intimidation. And our hope is that if we can facilitate prayer here, maybe it will deposit a seed where you're like, I could do this at home. I could do this in my small group. By the way, we have like four prayer small groups right now. I could do this with my family. This isn't crazy. If I can do this in the chaos of a service with all these people around me, surely I can do this in the safety of my own environments. And so I just want to close by saying this in a story. I believe that God shows up where he is wanted. God gave Moses the opportunity to move forward without his presence, but Moses says, hey, if your presence isn't with me, don't send me, don't send me. And God said, you know what? I'm gonna honor that. I will be with you. And and James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And I don't think we need to be surprised when the presence of God shows up. Like the great quote says, you can be as close to God as you want to be. You know, this week, uh, John John Boyd, our youth director, he texted, and he said, hey, I, I, I ran into a student who uh, I, I administered to a while ago. He's 20 years old now, and he's facing a, a challenging situation. In fact, he, he feels responsible for creating an environment where one of his friends had to be checked in for some treatment to deal with some big issues. And this young man named Kyle was facing guilt and shame for creating this environment that negatively impacted his friend. And so he calls John, and they're talking, and then John kind of sheepishly, right, says, hey, can I pray for you? Because this, this guy Kyle has never accepted prayer before. He's never said no, it's or, uh, Yes, it's okay for you to pray for me. But then on this time, as John asked, can I pray for you? He said, yes. And so John just did a humble breath prayer, invited the presence of God, prayed over him, and, and then this, this kid, Kyle, he started to pray as well. And then he said, John, I feel like this energy, that uh, this force that feels like life invading my body. It's like something's happening here. Has anybody ever experienced something like that? It's just like, this is like not normal. This is not something I could create. This is not a placebo, something beautiful. Something God is happening right here. And and John says, to be honest, I was a little convicted in that moment because I was surprised that the presence of God showed up. You know, I thought, is this just going to be a a trite, you know, prayer? This is just like lip service. What's going to actually happen? But when they invited the presence of God into this situation, the presence of God showed up. And I don't think we need to be surprised that God draws near to those who draw near to him. Not just an omnipresent way but a manifest near close presence of God that's something we can all have and you know this this kid started to continue to pray every day calling John will you pray for me will you pray for me and he said I felt this energy and this life and for the first time in a long time this whole week I have not desired to smoke pot and get high because the presence of God is on me and uh My words, I like to say, he got high on the most high. Sometimes you just got to crack, open a Bible, and get high on the most high. Can I get a better amen? But I'm telling you what, the presence of God doesn't have to be this like fantastical, far off, imaginary thing. We can encounter him today. He wants to encounter you today. And I I, I just want to challenge you today. Would you invite God into your life? Would you invite God into your work and your your problems and your dilemmas instead of spiraling out of control on your own? Would you start by making prayer a priority? It doesn't have to be these long, ornate prayers. It doesn't have to be this scary thing. Sometimes it can just be in the morning simply saying, Holy Spirit, come. You know, I do that with my son every day now. In the morning, when we're waiting for his bus, I just ask Obi, do you want to pray? And he says, pray every morning, and we just say, Holy Spirit, would you come? And then we just enjoy the presence of God. Before we go to sleep, we do the same thing. The presence of God shows up, and it's beautiful, and you can do that. You can have that in your life, and so we as a community and as individuals, we want to foster and cultivate an environment where we say, Lord, I don't want to move forward in my family, my career, in my life, in my decisions, I don't want to go if your presence, your close, near, manifest presence isn't with me. Does anybody have that heart today? I don't want to move forward into a church building. I don't want to move forward if, God, you're not
0: with me. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.calos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.
2: This is my firm foundation. The rock. He won't fail. He won't
1: fail. He won't. Oh, Lord, we welcome your presence. And I pray that you would be the source of our life, that we wouldn't move forward without you. And so in this house of prayer, Lord, we say we need you. We want you. We appreciate you. Lord, would you come? As only you can come, Lord. Could we experience the nearness of your presence, Lord? Not just your omnipresence, but your manifest presence, Lord. We want to be with you. And so we draw near to you right now. We draw near to you knowing that you draw near to us. Can we give Jesus a round of applause in this place? Amen. Well, we're gonna transition a little bit here, and I'm hoping that this just primes the pump for you wanting to pray and be a person of prayer. It's so important. You know, every week we have people that come to a Sunday service for the first time in church, or maybe you haven't been to church for so many years, but you walk into this environment, and every week or every month, people tell us, you know, there's, there's just a presence in the room. There was a good energy, there was a vibe, As soon as we started singing, I couldn't help but start crying. Has anybody ever experienced that in a service like that? And I I believe that's the presence of God drawing you to himself because he loves you. He wants you. He wants to have a close relationship with you. But I know many of us have gone through some life. We've made some mistakes. We've felt the distance between us and God grow, but he wants to meet you right where you're at. He wants to love you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to give you a second chance after chance after chance. He has a great plan for you. And I would love to pray for anybody here today, right now, where you came to the service knowing I need forgiveness from God. I need to give my life to God. I need to surrender to his leadership. And so why don't we make it a holy and a private moment so we can dedicate our hearts to the Lord. And so let's close our eyes and bow our heads. But if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Pradeep, and that's me, I need forgiveness. I need to surrender my life to God. I want to follow Jesus. And uh, would you include me in a prayer? If that's you on the count of three, would you lift up your hand? And I'm going to pray for all of us. One, two, three. Lift up your hand high so I can see it. I see one hand, two hand, three hand, four hand, five hands. Is there anybody else? You're saying... Would you raise it so I can see it? You're saying, Pastor Prudip, and that's me. Would you include me in that prayer? Amen. I see five hands, six hands. Awesome. And let's pray this prayer with these words on the screen. A prayer of surrender to Jesus, all together with one voice. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Take control of my life. I turn from my old ways and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. Can we give Jesus a round of applause for salvation and transformation? It's beautiful. Especially if you raise your hand, please text this number that we're going to put on the screen. Text JESUS425 to the number 94000 so that we can get you a Bible, connect with you. and. We want to be part of your journey. Well, Kalos, I'm so excited for what God's doing here. And as we move forward in our building, man, the posture of our heart is, Lord, if your presence isn't with us, don't send us to that building. Because we just want to be where you are. Amen? Amen.
3: Amen. Hey, can we give it up for Pastor Pradeepin this morning? Beautiful word. You can go ahead and take your seat. Just for a couple more minutes, i got a few announcements for you before we dismiss The first one is this, our winter small groups have started and it is not too late to sign up for a small group. Please join a small group if you're looking for community connection. You can go online and you can choose one, but we would love to get you connected in a small group this season. Uh, I also want to let you know that as we move into the new building, we have a bunch of new needs. There's kind of this misconception. It feels like because we're not going to be a portable church, maybe we don't have that much to do. That is a lie. There's so much to do. And we've got different kinds of needs. What we'd love to invite you to do is join a team here at Kalos Church, any of our serve teams. We know you've got gifts and talents that God has given you, and we don't want to pressure you in a weird way, but we'd love for you to join a team, especially if you're looking for more community and things like that. Yuna is back there at a table uh, with boxes of chocolates, okay? This is how we woo you. It's Valentine's week, people. If you didn't remember, call the restaurant. Okay, anyway, what we're going to do is give you a box of chocolates if you sign up for a a team this week. to help us move into the building and get us established so we'd love to have you do that I want to invite those of you that want to know more about Kalos Church you want to take your next step into what it means to be involved here at Kalos I want to invite you to our welcome dinner that is happening on February 19th we're gonna go downtown to a restaurant we're gonna rent out a space and dinner is on us come with your questions come know more, learn more about our story, about the story of Kalo's Church. We just have such a wonderful time at these welcome dinners, and we want to invite you to come. Uh, And last but not least, we are looking to launch our building on February 26th. So prayerfully come with us next week. We'll be here for our last Sunday, hopefully, uh, and then we'll be launching. We would love to have baptisms that Sunday, our first Sunday in the building. Wouldn't that be awesome? So if you're looking to get baptized, go ahead and email admin at kalos.church. You know we'll be in touch with you and get you all the information. But we're really looking forward to uh, celebrating being in the new building and baptizing new life in Christ as well. Amen? Amen. Well, let me bless you before you go today. May you know and make known the beauty of Jesus. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace in the name of Jesus. And everybody said together, amen, amen. You're dismissed. Come to meet the pastors. If you have not met us, just head on back. Pastor Pritifan's going back.